Big picture this Saturday against the Arizona Wildcats. Oregon is almost two touchdown favorite on the road, but you can't overlook the Arizona Wildcats, especially in Tucson. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watching the show. I appreciate everybody out there who has done so already. You keep doing it on YouTube and on podcasts as well. I very much appreciate all of that. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. So a duel in the desert on Saturday is what looms ahead of our beloved Oregon Ducks. And Oregon's a big favorite. I think they should be. It's not a massive, massive favorite. Like if they were at Colorado, it would probably be even more. But this Arizona team, as we saw last week when they dispensed of Colorado, is a better team than the Buffaloes. Now, Arizona is a really interesting opponent to have for Oregon at any point in time, but particularly right now. And I think that because Oregon's coming off a performance against Stanford in which they were the better team, they showed that, and despite a rocky start, partially because they were at home and partially because they were just much better than Stanford, they were able to have a 31-3 lead at the half. Going on the road, I think this Arizona team is better than Stanford. Their offense is clicking at a much higher level than the Cardinals. Though their defense, much like Stanford's, is very suspect, suspect, as I'll get to here on uh, the show today. But the question for Oregon in this game is, if you get off to that sort of start where you're moving the ball, but you're not executing the red zone, we've seen it two weeks in a row now. And it's been a focus at practice this week, as have the penalties. There have been a, a couple stories and reports that, that I've seen and heard that, that indicate that the coaching staff is seeing what all of us are seeing, which is the red zone execution is too sloppy. The play calling got smarter, I thought, in last week's game against the Cardinal up at Autzen, but needs to be even better on, on the road, I think, because you're in a hostile environment. The execution down there has got to be better, and the penalties have got to be better. Those are the biggest things that, that Oregon still has to work on as they go through conference play here, sitting at 2-0, I, I, I have mild reservations of, about this game. I feel good about Oregon overall, but it's a little superstitious. But everybody knows we're going down to the desert. And for some reason, I don't know what that reason is. Oregon has gone down to the desert as a big favorite before, and they have come home on the plane with a loss. That has happened several times. The last time, as a matter of fact, Oregon won in the state of Arizona was 2015. You may remember that game. It was in Tempe. Vernon Adams was the quarterback. And Dwayne Stanford caught a pass running into his own teammate, fell on his butt in the end zone on fourth down in what was a Hail Mary prayer. That's what we needed to get our last victory down in uh, the the desert state. I don't know if that's actually its name, but it's it, it's basically the desert state. We all we all really understand that. Um, also, in 2013, 
this is one of the few areas where Marcus Mariota-led teams took a loss. And that didn't happen a whole heck of a lot, as we remember. But at Stanford was one that year. But this game against Arizona, for some reason, or Arizona State, as we saw in 2019, when the Ducks were absolutely rolling and had won, if memory serves, nine in a row, and they go down as a 14.5-point favorite at Arizona State, and they walk away with a loss and take themselves out of the college football playoff discussion. I don't know what it is that you can have different teams with different coaches across different eras for both programs, or our program now, and you consistently have these results. Maybe it's the fans. Maybe it's the travel. It's it's one of the longer trips Oregon takes. Maybe it's the fact that both programs for the last decade or so have at least been respectable, though Arizona for the last few years has fallen down on tough times. I don't know what it is. But Oregon is favored heavily in this game, and they should be. They should be because top to bottom, the talent disparity between Oregon and Arizona is pretty severe. Now, the Wildcats have, have added a couple of nice pieces in the transfer portal, Jacob Cowing, Jaden Delora, notably among them. They've recruited well. Their, their recruiting rankings the last couple of years with Jed Fish, they would surprise you based on how the program has uh, performed in the years prior. And when Jed Fish took it over, they'd lost 12 in a row. I mean, he inherited an absolute mess. But last year at Austin Stadium, this is an Arizona team that, as we learn and what most people observed, plays hard for Jed Fish. They, they played hard a year ago. They just didn't have the talent. They're still lacking talent in some areas, but it's not on offense. Quarterback, wide receiver. They've got a great tandem of guys. A great tandem, tandem of guys. Cowing, Singer, and T-Mac, a one-time Oregon verbal commit who is the highest-rated recruit in Arizona history. Go watch the Colorado highlights from last week. He had a couple of one-handed snags that he made look easy that were mind-bogglingly good, even for a highly-rated true freshman. That dude is a player. I think Gonzo locks up on him all game long. At least I hope he does. But the other two guys, Singer and Cowing, present a real threat offensively. Now, where Arizona does not have the bodies to match with Oregon and why the blowout potential is definitely there in favor of the Ducks is in the trenches on both sides. The offensive and defensive lines for Arizona cannot sh- or should not, I should say. They should not be able to keep up with where the Ducks want to be. Specifically, their defense, which allowed 49 points to Cal. To, to Cal. Now, just for reference, Cal went up to Washington State last week. They put up nine points offensively. And we saw what Oregon's offense was able to do in that particular game. That's where this Arizona defense is at. They allowed 49 points to the Bears, who have a good freshman running back, a couple decent receivers, but on the offensive line and the quarterback position and with their offensive coordinator, they are not particularly explosive or at a high level. And the defense for Arizona this year is allowing 213 rushing yards a game. 213 rushing yards a game on the ground. Only 187 through the air. But I wonder if this game won't for Oregon look from a game script and game flow perspective much like the Stanford game, where 
you're going to dial up shots with Bo Nix, and hopefully he'll be able to convert this week because he missed a couple throws that he'd been hitting in the previous weeks. And I think, you know, he'll probably have a couple completions over 30 yards. Those opportunities will be there to guys like Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, Chris Hudson, uh, Chase Cota, and the likes. Though Cota is not as much of of a deep threat as the other guys. But those opportunities are going to be there. But Kenny Dillingham came out against Stanford and basically said, yeah, we're going to run the ball. You're not going to be able to stop us, and we're going to run for a high volume. And what you also have to consider with with Arizona is not just that stat about over 200 rushing yards a game allowed, but look at who they've played. San Diego State's offense is very one-dimensional and cannot throw the ball. Braxton Burmeister's their quarterback, so they're not pushing it down the field a lot. So they don't have that sort of balance that makes you consider, like, are they going to be running or passing in you know, a second and five, third and four situation or something like that. Then they played Mississippi State, who wants to throw the ball around a lot, but Mike Leach saw fit to run the ball, I think, 24 or so times, which is way more than Mike Leach usually runs the football. Then they played North Dakota State, an FCS school, a very good FCS school, the Alabama of the FCS, but still an FCS program, and they were able to run the ball with some success. And then a week ago, they played Colorado. Those teams... Those teams, and then you have Cal who went who went berserk. Jaden Ott went for 274 yards, which is, you know, he's a good player. He's not in an offense or the sort of player that should having you go for 274 yards. So I wonder if this won't be a, a very run-heavy approach for Kenny Dillingham and company and utilize Bo Nix because you put players in conflict like Oregon was able to very effectively in the running game with Bo Nix's threat of, of carrying the football on design quarterback uh, option plays. If you do that against Arizona, I think the Wildcats will struggle because they just don't have the bodies up front. And I think Oregon's offensive line can push them around uh, pretty darn well. A couple more thoughts uh, about the Wildcats uh, as it pertains to their offense. But first, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who you know buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual, the credit or debit card, and get paid. It is that easy. Just go download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So this game for for Oregon on Saturday has definitely got the potential to look the way it did against Stanford. It's tougher when you're on the road. Doesn't really matter who that opponent is. And I mentioned all the weirdness we've seen in the desert over the years. I don't want to go back to that that dreaded moment in 2000 and what was it, seven or so with uh, Dennis Dixon and company. But I, I think that what you have is if Oregon plays the way they're capable of, they will win big because I don't think Arizona is going to be able to stop anybody. Oregon's got, you know, four or five running backs and I'll get to that, that kind of fifth guy who's, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there here on, uh, on today's show, but Oregon's run the ball with so many different guys. They've all been effective. You know, Bo Nix can run. I don't think they quite have the players in the secondary either to keep up with Oregon's receivers. The potential for this game, I think the over under somewhere around 70, 
the potential for Oregon's offense to go berserk in this game, as it did against Stanford, is right there. And that's what we should be expecting going in. That's what we should hope to see going in. Because it's an Arizona team that's vastly improved. Yes, but they're only vastly improved on one side of the ball. A year ago, they had Will Plummer and Gunnar Cruz and someone else playing quarterback. It was a mess. They've got Jaden Delore now. That guy can win games in the Pac-12. I know because I've watched him do it for the last couple of seasons, and he figures to keep doing that, at least with some some moniker of success with, with the Arizona Wildcats. But the defense should not be able to stop Oregon here. They, they, they should not be able to. And if Oregon goes down and moves the ball, but then it gets tight in the red zone and we have to settle for field goals again, that's how you let Arizona stay around in this game. But Oregon's going to be able to move the football. I, I, I don't see how Arizona could suddenly make a shift in their defense to where two weeks ago they couldn't stop Cal. And then here this week, they're, they're, they're stopping Oregon because Oregon's got a much better offense than Cal. So, I feel good about where they're going to play there, but defensively, there's another big picture question that that I think is interesting here, and that's can Oregon force turnovers? They haven't really done that this year. The defense has played well in in spurts. Washington State had its moments. BYU and Stanford certainly dominant defensive showings. No no arguments there. But the defense is yet to go on the road and play the way it's capable and. Home field advantage of football, very real thing. But this defensive unit has got to show up from the first snap. If you get lackadaisical against Jaden Delora with T-Mac and Singer and Cowing, they are going to put up yards and they are going to put up points as well because those guys are really, really good. And they they are good athletes. They play well together. I've always liked Jaden Delora. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. But you know what he does? He goes out there and he makes football plays. But Oregon, if they can get pressure on him, like they did against Tanner McKee last week, and this Arizona offensive line is, you know, a little bit better than than they were a season ago, but still overall kind of suspect, they should be able to force one to two turnovers here. And that's the biggest thing I want to see out of this defense. You should be able to pick off Jaden Delora at least one time and maybe maybe even more or force another turnover because this Arizona team is still building right? They are not a rollover. This is not a game Oregon can go into, especially on the road, bring their C minus game and walk out with a 38, 24 victory. It's not going to happen. But if Oregon goes in, brings their B plus a minus game. Yeah, they could win by 20. The, The likelihood that Oregon blows out Arizona to me is more likely than Arizona pulling the upset with how Oregon has been playing. But if they come out and are not looking the way that we know they're capable of, then Arizona is capable of moving the ball down the field and hanging around in uh, in this game. I'll have more uh, more specific thoughts on on matchups and and players and all that sort of stuff uh, tomorrow. But a couple of mailbag questions here that uh, that pertain to the Ducks. One for this week and the immediate weeks, and one a little bit more in in the future. So let's get to him. Jesse asks. Hey, buddy, sorry to bother you with another question. You're never bothering me with a question. I love it when any of you, I don't care who you are, ask me a question. I am humbled that you'd want my opinion, and I thoroughly enjoy having you all be a part of the show. Keep them coming. At Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Hop in the YouTube comments as well. Get a question answered here on the show. But what is your gut instinct with the Byron Cardwell situation? Oh, boy. 
Dan Lanning was asked about it today, and his answer just seemed weird, and Byron's mom has tweeted some stuff that makes me wonder if there's something weird going on. Yet weird is the correct word here, because I've never seen a kid's parents tweet out that he's healthy, but then get sort of a mixed bag of different results from the coaches. I... It, it, it's kind of hard to speculate because I really can't remember a situation that resembles this. I, I, I seriously cannot. But something that I believe is in play, given that discrepancy, is unfortunately, would I be surprised if Byron Cardwell transfers before the season ends? No, I would not. Do I expect that to happen? No, because I don't really have a feeling about what is going on here. Like why are his parents saying he's healthy? And then the coaching staff is kind of given these wishy-washy nothing burger answers. Essentially. I don't know the answer to that right now. What I do know is that there's nothing to worry about for Oregon's running game. Would I love to have Cardwell in the mix as another body and a, a different back to throw at a defense? Yeah, sure. But does Oregon need it? No. So what the staff might be looking at is saying he's healthy enough to play, but because of how we're running the ball, we don't want to put him back in there until he's 100%. That could be one theory. Or alternatively, and I I was kind of going in on this before the season started, and then as the first couple of games played out, he might just be falling down the depth chart. His style of running may not mesh. And remember, he was not recruited by this staff, so they don't have that ingrained sense of loyalty to play him. They're going to play whoever they think is the best running back for for a given situation to put on the field. But he is not a physical runner. Doesn't mean he's not a good running back. He can be, but physicality is not a hallmark of his game. And when you watch Bucky Irving, He's pretty physical, but he's very shifty. I think more so than Cardwell. He's got better balance that allows him to move laterally, though Cardwell can can do that a little bit too. Whittington and Jordan James are very physical, and Dollars, I think, is the most explosive athlete when you're talking about acceleration of the bunch. He's also the best pass catcher of the group. So when you look at the depth of Oregon's running backs here, there's just not a lot of room for Cardwell to fit in. Even in this revolving door of running backs that we've seen, I just don't think there's that much room for him to get carries, even if he was fully healthy. But because Jordan James looks like a good goal back and he's serviceable in that sense, and that's not a role where where Cardwell would, would be specializing or where he'd be getting touches, where Cardwell would get touches if he if he were fully healthy or if the coaching staff wanted to play him would be between the 20s. And he'd take a couple carries from Bucky Irving here and a couple from Noah Whittington there. And Dollars would probably still be your third down uh, passing back, or he'd probably slide into that role. Actually, Whittington probably would if if Dollars were to go down with with an injury, God forbid. So I, I think it's it's an interesting situation to follow because I just have not really seen it before. I I, I really haven't, and it doesn't concern me with regards to how the running game will be able to perform, but. I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation that he could pull a Micah Pittman here and say, if I'm not going to be involved in the offense and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm healthy enough to play, 
then I'm going to go seek a, a destination where where I'm going to play. We'll continue to follow it as the season goes on, but I agree it's strange. And to me, it has that feel of like he he might not be on the roster next year. I I, I would be, you know, as I spell this stuff out and think about it more, I'd be pretty surprised if he were on the roster next year because Irving and Whittington and Dollars and James and Dowdell's coming in. They're just a lot of guys in that room with plenty of eligibility. And I think let, let's assume that, that what the coaches are saying has uh, has a semblance of uh, uh, of truthfulness to it, which is, you know, a safe assumption, number one. But number two, let's say that he is fully healthy. Where, where is he fitting into the rotation? Whittington's running the ball really well. I mean, you could say you like Cardwell and you want to see him get more carries, but you can't argue with how this team has been running the ball. I mean, whether or not Byron Cardwell plays on Saturday in no way affects my expectation that Oregon should be able to run the ball seemingly at will against this Arizona Wildcats defense. It, it, it's just how I see it. And it, it is, it is weird. It, it, the only, the best word to describe it is it is weird. Let's wrap up with another mailbag question. This one comes from, uh, from my guy, Peyton, who's asked a question here on the show before. Uh, and he asks a question about Ty Thompson. Do you think we've seen enough of Ty Thompson? And if so, do you think Jay will perform better? This is an interesting question because Ty Thompson has played more this year than he did last year. And part of that is, thankfully, Oregon's been able to put opponents away, not just Eastern Washington, but BYU and Stanford. I mean, that's more blowouts in Oregon's favor than they had all of a season ago, right? The the calls for Ty Thompson to play in 2021 were in competitive games where Anthony Brown was not performing up to the standard that we want to see from Oregon quarterbacks. But Ty Thompson this year has got in on several occasions. And every time he gets in, I see the same recurring issues. He lacks touch on short throws. The offense doesn't run as smoothly. He may not have the full playbook available. I, I think that's a valid I don't know if you call it a criticism, but more an observation for people to say, well, you know, he hasn't been really uh, given the full chance and, you know, he's not running with the ones. I don't like that narrative as much The he's not running with the ones because the twos are at practice all the time as well. And from what I can see, the lack of execution when, when the offense has tie at the helm, whether it's the first unit or the second unit. Those issues seem to stem from Ty Thompson, whether it's rhythm, making accurate throws, having touch, anything of that sort, they seem to be recurring. Now, is this a death sentence for Ty Thompson's potential playing career at Oregon? No, I, I don't think so because the sample size is still not large enough. It's big enough to make observations. I've seen three different games against or three different appearances against three different opponents, and it's the same thing every time. He's not able to complete that many throws. You know, I see the big arm. I see the talent. But the offense doesn't move the ball. And to say, well, you know, it's the second it's the second team offense. I think of backup quarterbacks over the years. My favorite backup quarterback ever was Brian Bennett. When Brian Bennett came in the game, when Darren Thomas and company had run him out of the building, the offense was still able to move the ball. Even if they were just running a bunch of zone read, whatever it was, that second team offense was still able to move the ball down the field and score points. And Ty Thompson hasn't been doing that. Now, this is a different offensive system than the one he learned a year ago. 
So maybe he just needs more time in that sense. But every time he's in, I see a lack of accuracy on deep balls. I see a lack of touch and short passes. I don't love his pocket presence. He has things that he still needs to work on. Is it big enough of a sample size to say he he could never be a starting quarterback? No. Do I have any information right now to indicate that Jay would perform better? No, and I don't think he would necessarily. In fact, I really don't think he would because at practice, Ty Thompson has earned himself the backup quarterback job. The staff came in. They had a little bit of history with Bo Nix, right? Dillingham and Bo were were together that one season at Auburn in 2019. They brought him in to be the starter. He's clearly the best quarterback that Oregon has. He's performed very well so far here in 2022. But these coaches are are looking at Ty Thompson every day, and they're looking at Jay Butterfield every day, and they're saying that Ty is further along and that if, God forbid, Bo had to come out because of an injury, we would want to put in Ty Thompson as the guy who gives us the next best, best chance for the offense to move the ball and go down the field. So am I curious what Jay Butterfield would look like? Sure, I I, I am, but I'm not ready to just declare that I'd like to see him be the official QB two because we've seen Ty Thompson struggle so much. I would love to see Ty Thompson continue to get it, get opportunities to play. It, it's certainly possible on Saturday, but on the road, not quite as likely as, as a home game against Stanford, but Oregon plays Colorado this year and Oregon plays Cal this year. And those are games that if the ducks play the way they're capable of, and it, and it does apply to Saturday as well, he will get more chances to to work on stuff he'll get more chances to see the field but he's got to take advantage of those opportunities because so far you know this is going to sound pretty harsh but in in the few snaps that we've seen from him throwing the football and executing the offense could it have looked any worse so far I mean he he completed a few balls against eastern Washington and, and showed off the arm strength there sure but when he was going against BYU and Stanford it it was not pretty, and that doesn't mean he can't learn and he can't grow. So I, I'm not ready to give up on him as Oregon's backup quarterback or as a potential future starter, but he still has a long way to go. And I, I don't think that right now you could confidently say he'd be the leading candidate to be Oregon's starter going into 2023. I, I really don't feel that way because of what of what we've seen so far and, and even what we saw from him as a true freshman in the limited action we did see it, it was a lot of the same sort of stuff you know he wasn't ready right away okay that's no big deal but this is now his second year of college football and he's been learning this offense for a few weeks and and he's been taking all these reps at practice and such and he's still showing some of the same same problems so i think if you have some concern there i think it's warranted but time to give up on him. I I think it's too soon for that. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.